shrimp and two plastic lobsters. Tis no man. Tis a remorseless eating machine. Arr. Ah, Faith. It's summertime. The living is easy. The fish are jumping. The cotton is high. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my perfect killing machine of a co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Summer is indeed upon us, and we are celebrating with some summer-themed films. Summer-themed slasher movies. Ooh. Whether you're a vampire beating the heat by staying out of the sun, or a pissed-off great white shark feeding in the waters of Amity, we want to welcome each and every one of you to our little program. Unless you're a pissed-off, bloodlusting, murdering some bitch of a great white shark. That might have something to do with tonight's film. It might. Tonight's film is an absolute classic that helped establish its director as Hollywood royalty, turned summer into the season of the blockbuster, and as a cultural institution, thanks in large part to the Oscar-winning score courtesy of maestro John Williams. Tonight's movie also came in at number 48 on the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Movies, was nominated for Best Picture, and in 2001 was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. It has often been imitated, but never duplicated. You know it, you love it. This is one of Faith's favorite films of all time. What are we talking about tonight, Faith? From director Steven Spielberg, we have 1975's Jaws, starring Robert Shaw, Roy Scheider, and Richard Dreyfuss. It is based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley, who co-wrote the screenplay with Carl Gottlieb. And there is even an uncredited contribution from the one and only John Milius. Released on June 20th, 1975, Jaws became the first movie to ever cross the $100 million mark for box office receipts. By the time it was done in theaters, it was the highest grossing film of all time, and even today it is still the seventh highest grossing film when adjusted for inflation. A great white shark is feeding in the waters of Amity Island. It is up to Chief Martin Brody, Captain Quint, and marine biologist Matt Hooper to hunt and kill the creature known as Jaws. Ooh. Roy Scheider is Brody, Robert Shaw is Quint, and Richard Dreyfus is Hooper. They are supported by Lorraine Gary as Ellen Brody, the wife of the chief, and by the great character actor Murray Hamilton as Mayor Larry Vaughn. Has anyone seen Larry? Has anyone seen Larry? 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 If you're an Impractical Jokers <laughs> fan, you get that bit. The film was shot by Bill Butler and edited by Verna Fields, who won an Oscar for her efforts. Jaws was a notoriously difficult film to make, shot off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, and when the weather wasn't cooperating, there was tension amongst the cast, most notably between Dreyfus and Shaw. Bruce, the mechanical shark, also misbehaved. Which resulted in the film becoming much more Hitchcockian. Is that a word? It is now. The malfunctioning of Bruce did indeed lead to Spielberg approaching the film in a similar vein to Hitchcock, and the delays in production allowed the production to tighten up the script. Forced restraint became the name of the game. And it bears repeating that the score and minimalist theme was composed by the one and only John Williams. It always bears repeating. Tonight, we will be scoring Jaws in one category, overall film, and in lieu of stars, we will be awarding it Buckets of Chum. We are going to take a short pause for coffee calls. I am Faith. I am Dan. You are listening to The Late Night Fright. 
We will see you on the other side. Larry! Larry! I was calling you, Larry! It's 12.01, the witching hour. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in five, four, three, two, one. told you my favorite thing about summer. What'd you say? I said, have I ever told you my favorite thing about summer? Huh? I said, have I ever told you? It's Shark Week, isn't it? You bet your ass it is. Shark Week, the best thing about summer, starts July 11th on Discovery and Discovery Plus. Why didn't you say so? Ugh. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus. You're gonna need a bigger boat. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG, maybe too intense for younger children. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Let's get on with it. The really big broadcast, shall we? Yes. Really big broadcast. It's not that big. (laughs) That's what she said. There it is. Two bits of business before we get on with it. Uh, One of the screenwriters on this film is a gentleman named Carl Gottlieb. And I have to say this at the front of the show that Carl Gottlieb is indeed a genius because Carl Gottlieb is a co-writer on Jaws. He's also the writer-director of the 1981 Ringo Starr comedy Caveman. 
I've seen a clip of Which that. is a genius film. If you've never seen <laughs> Caveman, you need to. I need to. It's It's got Ringo Starr and Dennis Quaid and Shelley Long and Barbara Bach, who Ringo would go on to marry. That's right. Ringo married a Bond girl. Th- this movie is absolutely brilliant. It has no English in it. It's all a cave speak. And it's really funny. And it's a, it's kind of a classic underdog tale. But the name, I was like, Coral Gottlieb, I know that name. This is a movie, Caveman, that I grew up watching. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a genius. <laughs> and he's still with us as of the time of this recording. So, Carl Gottlieb, we salute you. Mm-hmm. We salute you. I need to watch that movie, though. Oh, it's amazing. It'll the change. clip, I think you showed me a clip. Uh, and I that did. was, that yeah. was, yeah. That yeah, all in. of you, all of you, seriously, if you've never seen Caveman, you, you need to. And, uh. John Matuzak is in it playing the villain, and John Matuzak played for the L.A. Raiders, I believe, and he would go on to play, uh, uh, I forget the, the guy's name, but he was in The Goonies. He played the disfigured guy that everybody loves, Sloth. Sloth, that's his name. I couldn't, couldn't remember it. Uh, also, before we get started, I am in the spirit of tonight's show. I am wearing a shirt that Faith was good enough to give me. This was an anniversary present. I made a year smoke-free, and she gave me this really awesome shirt. It's a takeoff of the Jaws poster. It is Naws, G-N-A-W-S, and it is Cookie Monster in place of the shark coming up <laughs> under the water to eat a cookie. So Cookies. Cookies, yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a cookie person swimming. But maybe, maybe I don't know. It's really precious. You should all check it out. I know it's awesome. It's it's You're really welcome. it's really yes <laughs> yes. Thank you, thank you. Uh, let's see. Okay, coffee check. Faith, what you got? What do I have? Oh, I have the Wide Awake Donut Shop blend tonight. I have the Wide Awake Seattle Dark Style, and if you're not hip to the Wide Awake Coffee Company, they they make a really great product mm-hmm. they make them in compostable uh little like biodegradable cups, biodegradable yeah. cups and it, it's really amazing coffee at an even more amazing price i'm i'm floored that they're able to sell this stuff at the price that they are and you would think because it's a lower price item that might not be as good no mm-hmm. i think it's better than the big boys i think it is too and uh their k-cups and their uh ground coffee mm-hmm. is, is both of them are just Incredible. absolutely incredible i've i've been drinking this seattle dark style like it's going out of <laughs> going, going out, of, out style. of style there you go there you go all right well uh coffee keeps you up uh the movie we're talking about tonight kept a lot of people up i'm sure it did. years ago it also kept a lot of people out of the water <laughs> uh this is this is one of your favorite movies it is, is it not it is you're you're really fond of this movie it is for multiple reasons for multiple reasons so let me ask you let's go ahead and get started um, what do you think about Jaws? Well, of course I love it. <laughs> no, I love it, like I said, for multiple reasons. Number one, it really is pretty terrifying. I mean, if you're in the water, it's hard to move in the water, right? right. I mean, you can't just get up and run. If you're not a great swimmer, I mean, you're doomed. If you are a great swimmer, you probably are doomed. It's Jaws. If you're on a boat, this thing can apparently, mm-hmm. you know destroy yeah. a boat right. really easily so that's that's pretty terrifying it is right it really is also i have like a very strong love and infatuation with the ocean and sea creatures okay so it kind of just pulls me in in that aspect too and you know i like sharks the the long and short of it for me is this is i'm not being funny mm-hmm. here this is just a really good movie yeah and 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 i know that 
that might sound trite. It's just a really it's good really movie. Good. It's just really, really good and iconic and influential. Yeah. And um, it's a movie that I've seen several times. And what I, what I love about my relationship with this movie is I haven't seen it enough to where I'm burned out on it. Right? And so yeah. when I revisit it pretty regularly, mm-hmm. it, it's not that I know it scene for scene, shot for shot. So I, I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time. Mm-hmm when I see it, which is a wonderful experience to have with a movie. Yeah. And it's so good. It's so well constructed. So I did, I I wrote down just a few thoughts here. Um, One of the things that I think makes this movie really special is like Ghostbusters. So go back in your brain to 1984's Ghostbusters. And that is uh, a horror movie with comedic elements. Mm -hmm. But the thing about the movie, the story hinges on those characters and the characters in that movie while they are uh, fighting to stop the end of the world from happening, what they're really doing is it's a story about guys going into business, you know, (laughs) and them trying to maintain their business. Mm -hmm. And it's a story of, you know, uh, entrepreneurship and things like that. And that's a big part of that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that helps you relate to those guys. And there's some stakes, real world stakes on those guys outside of then the, you know, the weight of, saving the world yeah. on them. And so this movie though, is not just about a shark eating people on a beach. No. It's also about commerce right? and it's about economy mm-hmm. and it's about being possibly the lone voice of sanity in a world that's going crazy around you. Very true. And a movie that reminds you never ever underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups (laughs) um from a from a thematic standpoint though it really taps into the wrathful side of nature Mm -hmm. and that the wrathful side of nature must be respected absolutely you have to respect nature Mm -hmm. absolutely which is something and listen i'm not getting political here so please don't take this the wrong way of whatever, whatever side of this argument that you're on, which is then when you get into the discussion of climate change and, Hey, we're going to change the world. No, you're not. No, you're not. No. <laughs> How uh, daft of you <laughs> to think that you are going to influence the natural vibrations mm-hmm. of the planet. How arrogant, as George Carlin, George Carlin said that, how arrogant of you that you're going to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to change it. Now, listen, there are a lot of things we can do better. Pollution and, and, and what we do to water being one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't, and again, I don't want to have that discussion. What I'm saying is you have to respect the absolute power of nature. nature. This is a movie that reinforces that. So from a personal standpoint, about five years ago, Faith and I, where we live, we were flooded. These waters came. This we it was a thousand year storm that happened. Conditions that, like literally, the perfect storm. And when this stuff came down, it came down and it came down hard. It came down heavy. It came down fast. Flash flood? No, this wasn't a flash flood. No. This was rivers rose immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, and everything was reactionary. There was no you know proactive solution. No, you no. were you were literally just trying to survive. Yeah. And so I was relating this movie that way with the awesome. Okay. Yeah. You know, force of nature, you yeah. know, 
you can't do anything to stop it. You really can't. You know, you really can't. You you do your best to just, you know, be in harmony with it. Very true. Uh, But uh, the other thing this movie has going for it, which is another reason why this has withstood the test of time, is it has great humor in it as well as great terror. Mm -hmm. It has really great characters. So many moments in this movie are absolutely iconic and rightfully so. And it's still an influential movie because John Krasinski just said a few weeks ago that his quiet place movies that he's making are his jaws. He, this is like his favorite movie and a quiet place is his attempt to make jaws. And in the second film, apparently he's gone so far to include a pizza place that's named Brody's. So, um, so it's still influencing films this was the first kind of major blockbuster like this the first one in the summer when and then they started moving those movies to the summer so you're still feeling the 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 should we say the the wake of this the waves (laughs) the waves of jaws almost 50 years later if you can believe that i know almost 50 years so and the fact that this movie is this old and stands up like it does i think is just it blows my mind. That a testament to everybody who worked on it. Old, yeah. Everybody who worked on this in front of and behind the camera. So let's, let's have a little fun here. Um, we're doing summer movies and we have summer slasher movies and we're including jaws in that category of slasher oh, yeah. movies. So the question is, is it a slasher film? Oh, I would think so. I think Bruce is, Bruce is very on par with, Jason Michael Myers just doesn't have a knife. Or, right. You know, I mean, really, he right. really is. That's a that that it's a slasher movie. So I was I was going through here and the tropes of the slasher film. We've talked about these on the show before, but we we're gonna go through them again. There's an anniversary mm-hmm. or some kind of commemoration. Mm-hmm. Think Halloween, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, then there was that slew of movies that, you know, Graduation Day. Right. The one I'm working on, Arbor Day. No one ever did Arbor Day. Then you do Arbor Day. Well, you, you could you could technically go here with this. Uh, it's July 4th. It's the 4th of July. It's the 4th of July. What bigger anniversary is there than the 4th of July? So the killer in a slasher film stalks and murders. Ooh. <laughs> I would say that the killer in this stalks and murders. Oh, yeah. Uh, oftentimes, it's an unstoppable killing machine. We've seen Freddy. We've seen Michael. We've seen Jason. I think Bruce is on par I think so. with that. Now, here's here's where it gets interesting. Uh, the final girl slash maybe final victim, because usually in the slasher films, they are female. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I believe, is the notable exception. Interesting film. We did an episode on that. It's an interesting film. It uh, really is. I want to watch it again. I almost want to do another episode on it. We should. I think that's when it bears kind of like digging, dead, digging yeah. a little more into it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but uh, the the final victim has to overcome their fear. Mm-hmm. And Brody here is scared of the water, and, and the final confrontation takes place in the water. And the killer in a slasher film usually has a unique weapon. And boy, I mean, shark, that's a, that's a pretty unique weapon. Uh, one of the vibes, too, I was catching uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie Death Proof, I think, is aping Jaws a little bit, you know, with that car, the right. stalking. Yes. You know. <laughs> um, 
you can also read things onto the killer. And we were talking about Michael Myers. The mask is blank, expressionless, so you can read whatever fear you want to on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Freddy Krueger, you can read parental neglect, whatever you want to read onto it. So with Jaws, you know, a lot has been made about uh, Jaws being kind of a reaction to Watergate, Nixon, and shenanigans at the time. So you could see it as like, you know, evil authority out there that has to be done away with. So. But I was just thinking, like, I don't know, like my inner Bill Murray was coming out when I was watching the hippies on the beach right at the beginning <laughs> and slasher film sexing and drugging and all that. Right. I mean, yes. that's and, and you're going to die if you sex and drug and, they, yes, and the girls are. sexes and drugs and uh, all she sexes and drugs. She sexes and drugs. That's what Chrissy does. <laughs> and uh, all I could think was uh, I could hear like Bill Murray in my head, like time's up. That's right. Jaws is here. <laughs> Jaws is here. <laughs> It's a horrible Bill Murray, but oh it's like, God. it's like, yeah, it's right, hippies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was thinking about like Nixon, you know, oh, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I'm going to swim the sea and eat you, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I think that is a valid, absolutely valid interpretation of the movie at the time it comes out. Yeah. I think it's still a valid interpretation of, of like maybe authority figure, whatever you want to read on, you know, with this postmodernism crap, you can read whatever you want to on this <laughs> stuff. But, um, but I, I do think you can you can look at it as whatever you want to look at out there. You know, again, with the slashers, you can, you know, read your fear onto them. So I yeah. think from a technical standpoint, Jaws is indeed a slasher film. Oh, absolutely. And and I and I, I think it needs to be lumped in with the prototypical slasher films like Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Agreed. and uh Peeping Tom from nineteen sixties, another one. So uh yeah, Jaws is here. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just a movie about like a shark that's like starving to death and just <laughs> just hungry. Like this thing is out for blood and like purpose, you know, like on purpose. Yeah. Like oh, he yeah. is stalking these people. This is not just two, like two feed. Yeah. Two feed. This isn't like he bumped into somebody and was like, ooh, food. No, it's like Yeah, this this thing, yeah. He's it, a slasher. It, it it definitely is. Uh Bruce is <laughs> Bruce is Bruce is pretty terrified. I, I forgot how yeah. terrifying the shark is in this. We'll get we'll get we'll get to <laughs> him. Right? Uh let's talk about the gentleman behind this. This is only his second theatrical film after the Sugarland Express starring Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn is the mother of Kate Hudson, mm-hmm. Oscar nominee, yoga pants magnate Kate Hudson, <laughs> who we uh, well we spotlit her last week on the we skeleton did. key. Yeah, uh, Spielberg set out to make one movie. Spielberg ended up making another movie because the production on this was just absolutely brutal. They would do twelve hours of work and actually do four hours of work because mm-hmm. the weather wouldn't cooperate. And and movies that shoot at sea notoriously have a hard time imagine that i could imagine (laughs) because you have to respect the wrathful side of nature 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 doesn't care about your schedule or your budget (laughs) so i read that spielberg wanted to make something more of a creature feature something more akin to the old ray harryhausen films you know uh these movies with the giant you know creatures you know um uh, you saw them in the fifties. Those kind of those kind of films, like Them and and Tarantula and and things like that. Right. And uh, the Thing from Another World is one that also uh, popped in. So it's be much more of like an effects heavy film. So they had three sharks: one where you could enter on the right side, one where you could enter on the left side, you know, and then one that was a full working shark. Working is a relative term because apparently nothing worked <laughs> on this movie. And 
so that's going south. And what happens is he does fall into, he has to restrain things. And that's where the Hitchcock influence comes in. And it really does feel like a Hitchcock movie. Does it, it not? It, does it, it not feel it like uh, Psycho and Rear Window and yeah. those kind of things? And Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I'm actually glad that it didn't work. Because no, I, I what too. we have here is just absolutely, absolutely amazing. What do you think about the fact that this is what it is? Oh, I'm so pleased that this is what we got. I mean, I think the other the other way could have worked, but this is this is for the best. I mean, and I think you have to give him a lot of credit for adapting and rolling with this, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I know it took a toll. It took a toll on everybody, you know. But, um, you know that that's playing jazz. That that's adapting and improvising, mm-hmm. and my God, what what an amazing film that we got! And, and sometimes there are movies that the movie gods smile on, and they come out the way that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Star Wars being one that would come out two years after this is one that had a lot of production problems, and and it, it turned out just fine. It turned out just fine. And uh, this one, this one, yeah, I, I think it made it a better film. I really oh, I do. Think so I mean. With so many problems, I mean, it's so easy to, to go south. You know, like for because, for this movie to have been. And terrible. I think I think part of the reason no, I don't, I say part of the reason. I think all of the reason why it works is because these characters are so well drawn. Mm-hmm. The 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 plot is is very simple. And, and what I love about this is how simple the plot is. And it's simple, but it's so solid. It's solid. Yeah, you know, because let's compare it to like a modern blockbuster. Um, some superhero. I'm. I'm picking on the suicide squad here because it just popped in my head you got uh, a group of people that have to go off and do something and that involves a big light going up into the sky and then you get backstories and everybody and there's infighting and then they go and they do a side quest and a side quest and then but they're making their way towards the big light and they fight the big light and and stuff happens and you don't really remember the characters too much. Right. You don't really remember anything that they said or anything that they did or what and, they were doing. Yeah. And it, any, in any moments uh, that feel sort of human are kind of lost amidst a very loud cacophony of special effects and loud music and things. And the movies don't take time to breathe. Uh, case in point, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> case in point. Uh, now I can't take credit for this. I saw this, a gentleman was breaking down uh, character deaths on, I saw this on YouTube and he was talking about the difference between sending a character out on a great note and sending the character out not as well. And this is modern. This is old school versus new school. And the example he used was Spock in the wrath of Khan in 1982. What a beautiful, beautiful death scene. The death means something. I know. There's self-sacrifice, Kirk. And the death affects the people he that loved him and right. that he loved and then in turn, it affects us. I've seen that movie. I can't tell you how many times. I, I believe I said it on the show we did that that every time, every time it happens, I know it's coming. I'm hoping it's not coming, but it comes and I cry. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's and it's a hard, ugly cry. Mm-hmm. And for the last ten minutes of that film, I am just emotionally a wreck. And it's beautiful. And yeah, it, and once you come out of it, you feel better, you know. And it's and it's a really beautiful moment. And he contrasted that with Star Wars The Force Awakens when they kill Han Solo. And the death means nothing. There's no sense of sacrifice. He does not sacrifice himself for the group. He does not die 
uh, with his friends. There's mm-hmm. no last words. He dies. He falls into a bottomless chasm, and that's it. That's it. Han Solo is out of the movie. The movie does not stop and take a breath to acknowledge that death. Uh, the characters, uh, the character of Princess Leia, played you know, wonderfully by Carrie Fisher, does not embrace Chewbacca. You know, there's a lot of criticisms of that, and rightfully so, because we don't get a chance uh, to grieve. To grieve, but also <laughs> we don't really need to grieve because it doesn't mean anything at that right. point. It, it, it's a shock, just well, yeah, a shock. Well, yeah, we don't get a chance to grieve because there's no... There's no deep meaning, and that's exactly. I mean, that's a that's a problem. I mean, so so the death of Spock sticks with you because there's beats and there's and there's emotionality and there's character work yes. that's happening here. And the other death doesn't work, and the characters here just you know it's a big reason why this works. The characters, mm-hmm. not the shark, it's it's the characters, mm-hmm. and this movie really you know takes its time. You know, it's, 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 I want to get into something I I was noticing about it and we'll get into it in just a second. So we talked about Spielberg. We got to talk about the other guy that really makes this movie before we get to the cast. And that is the one and only John Williams. That's a Oscar winner for this film. Uh, Five as of now, I think he's won five Oscars been nominated for like 70 or something. (laughs) It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number. This might be the most famous motif in movie history, and it's two notes. And yeah. this is a, a a master class in minimalism for anyone out there who loves film scores the way that I do. And I know you love film scores. And anyone out there who wants to score films, uh, if we still have a film industry, I uh, <laughs> uh but this is something he gets so much out of that. But what I like about it is what it's doing thematically in the movie. It's, it's giving the sense of the shark mm-hmm. when the shark, even though you're not seeing the shark and because he has to go the Hitchcock route uh-huh. because he can't show it because it's not working. Now you've got something that I think is working even better. Yeah. It almost characterizes the shark, you know, in a way it's like you don't see him, but you feel him. You know he's that near. Motif, it's like that's yeah. that's part of his care. It becomes the character. The, the character literally of the becomes shark. the character. Yeah, especially so, in the beginning with Chrissy, which is yeah that that death at the beginning is one of the most iconic things. I mean, there's so many iconic moments I in know. this movie. Um, but that that opening title, you know, you're swimming on the ocean. You hear that, yeah, and it's and there is more to the theme, but everybody knows that. <laughs> and the way that it just it, it churns it chugs mm-hmm. you know emotionless and and, yes. and just chugs swims along and it's very menacing and uh yeah but and the rest of the score is so good too he's got these johnny little sea tunes like when they're going yes, out does, you know yes. into the ocean and and it's like an adventure you know, which it is. It is an adventure. I, I noticed that there are moments when the three of them are out at sea, and you can the music changes a little bit. And I did. I was like, it sounds like a, like a little adventure tune, or it, yeah, you know, it's got that like it, it's it's bouncy. Yeah. It, it's a it's a bouncy yeah. little bright kind of uh, shan- uh, uh, sea shanty almost. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that Williams does so well in this movie that I really love him for, and, and one of the things I respect about him as a composer is he knows when to shut up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of silence in this movie yeah. and he knows how to get the maximum impact out of his composition, out of his orchestra and out of the silence. Mm-hmm. So true. You know, jazz musicians say it's the notes you don't play. Yeah. It's the notes between and, and 
So there'll be long periods of silence and then the music, you know, then adds more of an impact when it, when it comes in. And he's a, he's a really great master of that. Steven Spielberg is a great master of, of marrying the music mm-hmm. with the film. And we're talking about Hitchcock. Hitchcock famously had Bernard Harriman uh-huh. and they are, you know, that equivalent yeah. for our modern day. Well, we've said it before. I mean, I feel like a score is just so important because it really sets the tone so much. I mean, without this score, without a score or a good score, this movie would feel so different. I don't think this movie achieves the cult status that that it has if without it doesn't have that score. <laughs> I, I, I really mean that. And that's not taking anything from the movie, but that but it just it it adds the layer of menace that that needs to be there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really exceptional. It, it's really, it's really exceptional. I think it's a wonderful achievement. I think it's the fact that it's two notes and, uh, uh, and it's not just that it's two notes. It's the lowest notes on the, on the <laughs> bass. That's it, it, incredible. I know. It's incredible. Um, I made a note here. I did want to say this. So, so the jaws theme is memorably two notes to signify the presence of the shark. Hans Zimmer, uh, the other, you know, one of the other great film composers, I think tried to outdo John Williams in 2008's The Dark Knight with his Joker theme, which was just a single note to, to denote the presence <laughs> of the Joker. It was just this, this kind of uh, this uh, uh, kind of uh, vibrating uh-huh. violin note. And I think it was like a D and everything was a D like like there was no harmony or melody to it which really makes sense for that character mm-hmm. you know yeah. and he'd have rhythmic variations of it you know with percussion and when you hear it by itself it's okay but when you hear it in the context of the movie and it denotes his presence uh-huh. and then you see it's it's really wonderful and and I'm sure he he was thinking oh I'm sure Jaws. He, was. <laughs> he 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 said that he really enjoys John's work so I would I would think that uh I would think you're crazy if a you non, didn't not yeah I would too it's I mean sorry you're crazy He's, if you don't John Williams John Williams is legitimately I think one of the five greatest film composers of all time. Now you can argue about who would be number one. I don't, I, I don't care about who's number one, but I, but he is, if he is not in that top five, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're he would, spinning he would top. Be my favorite there for spinning. sure. I, I think so. I think it's because of the work. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of the movies and the, the themes are, it's, it's really great music. That's the other thing too. His music is really great. They're just so recognizable. I oh. mean, yeah, they're just so iconic. Yeah. I I was I said I wanted to talk about something with the movie, and this is what I want to talk about. Uh, the movie, I think, itself is this, but there's one scene in particular. I want to talk about the Alex Kittner scene, which is you know one of the most famous in this movie. They're all sitting on the beach. The people have come in, and people start getting in the water, right? Mm-hmm. Chief Brody really doesn't want people in the water. In the water. He's apprehensive because he believes that this was a shark attack. So... This everything leading up to the Kittner death is what I want to talk about. And the way that those shots are set up and the feeling of tension that you're getting with them. And like, so you'd be seeing uh, Roy Scheider sitting on the beach, someone walks in front and you're, then you're in a closer shot. Someone else walks in front, then you're in a closer. So mm-hmm. it's this constant build of tension. Okay. And then what happens is, the shark eats little Alex Kittner, who's on his little raft, and you kind of get a glimpse of the shark as it comes up and it gets him, and that blood just 
just bubbles up. Yeah. And it's it's a horrific, horrific <laughs> it, it moment. Is. It felt like, and I was watching it, and I had this thought, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, and I went back, and all of the shots in the scene, in that on that beach scene leading up to that is like foreplay. True. It's really like <laughs> foreplay. It's true. I mean, it's a tease mm-hmm. and it's a tease and it's a tease. And you're constantly on guard. You're waiting for something, mm-hmm. something to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't, and he kind of, he kind of teases you a little bit and then like something, you think something's going to happen and, and it doesn't happen. And, and then you get the legs under the water, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you get the Jaws theme. I think he's he's pulling one on you I where think so. where it's just you're getting the legs going and the sound effects of all that. But you keep waiting, you keep waiting, you keep waiting. And boom, it happens. And for some reason, when the shark comes up and that blood is spewing up, I was like, "That's the orgasm. Yeah. That's that's the, that's." That's the release right. right there. You know, and it, it looks like one too. That's you know? very true. And so like there was like the so it's like this like tension almost has this relationship to like, you know, sex mm-hmm. in a way, you know, the build up and call but I mean that's 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 drama, right? You know, you yeah. rising action, tension and release, tension and release. But it really I was like, oh wow, that's really interesting watching that. And and in that scene you get the famous where the camera pulls back from him, but they're zooming in on him at the same time, mm-hmm. which is a, that's a great shot. <laughs> I know that's a great shot. But the, but the whole movie is is like foreplay, you know, leading up to really seeing is. the shark because you don't even see the really see the shark until mm-hmm. much later. Yeah. You're getting glimpses, impressions of mm-hmm. the shark, you know. And uh, again, I think it's just because the movie, you know, the the effects weren't working, so yeah. This movie's a lot better, maybe, than it had any right to be. I think so. so. All right. Well, we have talked about Steven Spielberg and slasher movies and foreplay and shark <laughs> orgasms. Uh, we have a really good cast here. We have a, we have a really, really good cast here. Yes, we do. Um, the three leads uh, remind me of the trifecta of Spock, Kirk, and McCoy in Star Trek mm-hmm. because you have logical Spock, the the humanist bones, and then you have Kirk sitting right in the middle. And here you have the real scientific Hooper played by Richard Dreyfus. You have the almost mystical Quint played by Robert Shaw. Then you have the everyman right there in the middle played by Roy Scheider, Chief Brody. And uh, uh, them individually are wonderful. Them together are, are even more even wonderful. <laughs> And uh, I, I think this movie was really perfectly cast. There were some really big names that were possibly going to be in it at one time. Robert Duvall was up for Brody, but he turned it down. Charlton I Heston. I don't know if I could have seen that. I don't either. Charlton Heston really wanted to play Brody, but Spielberg thought he might have been too big of a star. And then you'd think that, oh, well, the shark doesn't have a chance kind of thing. <laughs> uh, Gene Hackman was a name that was bandied about for Quint. Um a lot of lot of names, a lot of names. Kevin Klein was thought of for uh, Hooper, as was Jeff Bridges. So, 
uh, a lot of people and Richard Dreyfus accepted this role because his follow-up to American Graffiti, the apprenticeships of uh, Duddy Kravitz, I believe is what it's called. He didn't think it was very good and he thought it was going to kill his career right there. So I've never even heard of so that. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was like, let me go ahead and like yeah, let's jump on, on yeah. something here. So <laughs> let's start with uh, Roy Scheider. And I should say that Roy Scheider has a connection to Candy Clark from American Graffiti and The Blob. They were in the movie Blue Thunder together. Richard Dreyfus was in American Graffiti with mm-hmm. Candy Clark. So two... Uh, <laughs> Two ties to Miss Clark. We love Candy Clark. Yes, we do. Roy Scheider is an Oscar nominee for The French Connection. He was in that movie with Gene Hackman, as we Mm -hmm. just mentioned. Uh, He played a very tough guy, very tough New York City cop in that movie. That movie is really wonderful. If you haven't seen it, please check that out. Uh, Roy Scheider, basically, this is my note on Roy as Chief Brody. If Roy Scheider doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. And this movie works because of Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider is your in into this world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Roy Scheider is your proxy. He's the proxy for the audience. He's an outsider on this island. We are outsiders to this Mm -hmm. island. We're an outsider of this community. We are seeing the story through his eyes. We are feeling the things that he is feeling because this is what he's feeling as this is, as this is how he's feeling the horror, the terror, uh, the anxiousness in the beginning of of the first hour of this movie. And then he is ill-equipped for this sea voyage with Quint in the second half of the movie. We are ill-equipped for it too. I believe he is the perfect guide for this movie. There's something that is so damn likable about this guy (laughs) and so damn, uh, personable and relatable. relatable. Yeah. He just feels real. That feels like a real person. In the, like that does not feel like they threw an actor and said, okay, no, go act. This no. was this was like they just picked a person off the it, street and he, it, went uh, with it. Again, the movie works because of him. The, 100%. It, that cannot be overstated. Jaws works and still works fifty years later because of the great Roy Scheider. Yes. And he was great, man. That guy was he's that guy was so good. That was really good. And he's tender and yeah. Ah, that scene with the sun where the sun is aping his movements. And again, this movie is not about a shark. Mm -hmm. Just like Rocky is not about boxing. Yeah, this is not about a shark. This is about a community. This is about, it's about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Roy Scheider is just, I I was, I was, I was, I was blown away watching this. I, I feel like I always am watching him because like you said, you, you feel every single emotion from him and it's just, it's absolutely brilliant what he's doing. Yeah. Like just brilliant. Him with the wine, pouring all that wine into the glass and drinking it and then going, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get drunk and we're going to go cut open that shark. You know, like, <laughs> and the other thing that he has going for him is he's the last sane man in an insane world. Mm-hmm. He's rational. Yeah. He, he, he's rational. Mm-hmm. He knows when they catch that other shark, he knows, he, he knows he doesn't, want to know but he knows that it's still out there that this isn't right he knows he knows it's not right to open those beaches after they find the remains of chrissy on the beach he and and against his better judgment yeah and you're like you said you're feeling everything through him the anxiousness the anger i mean it's just so good the terror the terror Yeah, and Roy Scheider also famously ad-libbed one of the greatest lines in film history in this movie, you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> bigger boat. <laughs> that was all him, and Carl Gottlieb said that was Roy. He gave all credit to Roy Scheider, and like I said, Carl Gottlieb's a genius. I mean, he, he wrote and directed Caveman. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> Which one do you want to go with next? Do you want to go with the scientific guy or you want to go with the mystical guy? Let's go with the scientific, scientific guy because I think the mystical guy. Let's save him for I think last. I think he's everybody's favorite. <laughs> uh, Richard Dreyfus uh, plays Matt Hooper. Matt Hooper is the uh, he's he's. Uh, He's one of our guides here. He helps us understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I like about this movie, it does kind of uh, educate you on what the shark is, what it does. Great movies will do that. Right. They'll tell you what you need to do or what you mm-hmm. need to know. And this tells you, and then it makes you even more terrified. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that uh, the, the, the uh, motions of a swimmer or what attracts the shark? Well, no, I didn't. Now I do. <laughs> now so I I'm going to go ahead and stay out of the water. Richard Dreyfuss uh, came to prominence in American Graffiti. That was a George Lucas movie. That was uh, a few years before this. As we said, he was in that with the lovely Candy Clark. We love her. Uh, I, I've, I've had a, a weird relationship with him uh, on screen. <laughs> you know, he's a guy you either love or you, or you just don't like. And a lot of people I know just don't like him. I actually really like him. I, I like his energy. I, mm-hmm. I, he's one of those things that's a necessary energy sometimes. He can play smarmy so well. And I like yeah. I like what he's doing here. It's an interesting uh, energy he brings to the table with this group because you got, he's the guy that knows, mm-hmm. but he doesn't quite know, you know? And so when he gets together with Quint and they butt heads, it's really kind of kind of brilliant. And uh there's a self-assuredness about him, yes. you know, uh, that could be a little <laughs> off-putting, but he's not arrogant. I don't feel that he's arrogant. Do you feel egotistical coming off of him at all? I wouldn't say egotistical. What I would say is I do think that he might feel a little superior just in the fact that he knows what's going mm-hmm. on and these idiots are going out there and they're not listening to him. Right. And I think that's that's what yeah maybe where it comes from. I don't feel like it's from a place of I need to make myself feel yeah any kind of a you know bigger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he has little guy syndrome. You know, no, he he. You know, in those little asides actually reminded me a little bit of you. Like when the guys were all on that boat going out, he's like, oh, those idiots are going to drown. I'm like, oh, that's Faith. <laughs> so me. Oh, Faith is this winning combination of Quentin Hooper. Yay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Yay for me. Yay for the show. I, I love, I, I do love Dreyfus in this. Uh, he's another reason why this movie works mm-hmm. as well as it does. There's a, uh, there is a kind of a sympathetic quality to him, yeah. you know, because he's, he's the guy. You know, yeah. I love the Dreyfus laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. No, I feel like he brings a different energy for sure from yeah. from Brody, and I feel like it's much needed. You know, because you're feeling so much from him. It's well, kind of this interesting. One one of the things too is uh, to to kind of let you know where he is on the character scale. Brody trusts him. Mm-hmm. You know, right? <laughs> and so it's like he's okay. You right. know, and and he does have the town's. Well, man's, mankind's best interest <laughs> at heart because this killing machine is just a remorseless eating machine. Uh, he's really wonderful. I mean, he would go on to star in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He'd win an Oscar before the decade was out. He had a nice, nice run there, and, and it, it kind of evaporated in the 80s. But uh, he's done solid character and supporting work since then. I mean, he's still he's still around. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, like I said, I, I, I really like him in this. And he's another yeah, one. Me too. You know, but not like Scheider. The movie hinges on Scheider. Oh, absolutely. He's a nice piece that's floating in, yeah. in this in this movie. I think the best scene with Dreyfus 
there's a lot of great moments with Dreyfus in this. I think the best scene is when he goes in and sees the remains of the girl and they have, first off the remains are in this like metal pan that you would put a cake in, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely amazing, you know, and him, his reaction. And he's like, she appears to be, you know, he, you can tell this guy's getting sick, you know, and, and, what a scene. That's it, a really good moment. It's mm-hmm. a really good character beat for him. Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, and Hooper's brave, too. He is. He's brave. Yeah, all all three of these guys are, are brave. I would say so. All right. <laughs> well, we have my favorite character in the movie. I think he's your favorite character, too. I think so. And he is a little mystical. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a spiritual element with Quint he is played by the great Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw played uh, the assassin Red Grant in the James Bond film from Russia with Love. Uh, uh, gave the late great Sean Connery a run for his money in that movie. Robert Shaw was, by all accounts, a larger-than-life character. He was wonderful in a lot of stuff. Uh, this is this is this is what he's remembered for. This is what all these guys are remembered for. Oh yeah, but. This is what he's remembered for. He got this role over over a lot of other people, and I'm so glad <laughs> he didn't want to do it originally because he'd read the book and didn't like the book. There's, by the way, the the book by Peter Benchley is pretty good. There's a lot of subplots in that. This really I've read the book. Uh, the book is it's good, but this really distills it all mm-hmm. down. So uh, kind of two different beasts in, in a way. But Quinta, he didn't really like the book, but when he when he got the idea of what they were doing, he and his wife and secretary read it and said, now you, you got to go do it. He just, it's like Robert Shaw doesn't exist. And there's only Captain Quint. <laughs> and Captain Quint is in, in some ways based on Ahab from Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I it's... It's something. It's, it's very something. <laughs> it's, it's really something from the moment that he's introduced, scratching his nails right. on a chalkboard and saying, I'll go kill it. Right. You know, $10,000, I'll go kill it because I ain't, you know, risking my neck mm-hmm. for nothing. But um, <laughs> he is one part at times unlikable. And wholly likable at the same time. It's, it's yeah, he's so likable that when he gets eaten by the shark, you don't yeah. want it to happen. So it's the worst moment of the movie oh, for me. Oh, God, I know. And it's so brutal. And you know, so, and you, you know what else that I like about that movie? It's so quick. Right. Like it's like boom. Okay, now he's he's, he's done. Okay, yeah. They didn't like. Oh, let's take let's take our time letting him get eaten by the shark. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. I, I was reading that a lot of people think when they were having. Where they were in the boat and they were all sitting there talking and he was... Which is where I want this to go. I read that they were like, that is the most terrifying moment of this whole movie. <laughs> the Indianapolis scene, yes. which is where I, wanna, I uh-huh. wanted this to all lead to, was mm-hmm. the Indianapolis scene. So we have a movie where uh, a young girl, very, very attractive blonde, gets eaten. We have a movie where a dog gets eaten off screen. We have uh, young Kittner gets eaten. We see this thing attack this guy, bite a leg off, and 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 we assume finish the rest of this guy in the little estuary, mm-hmm. the little, uh, what they call it, the uh, little tide pool thing. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot of business with Bruce the shark. It's awful. It's, it's yeah. horrific. We see the aftermath of it. We see a little bit of it on screen. The scariest moment of this movie, hands down, 
is this monologue that Robert <laughs> Shaw has that gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I know. And you've all seen the movie. You know exactly the moment we're talking about. And that moment comes together because of the genius of John Milius. And John Milius, if you don't know who John Milius is, shame on you. <laughs> uh, we actually did an episode on the documentary they they made about Milius. And, and uh, I, I think the show is pretty good, but to really get the full effect, you got to watch that documentary. Oh, watch yeah. the documentary of Milius. Milius is the guy who made every movie or contributed to every movie you love. And you either, you might not know it. You might not. I, <laughs> right. I was dumbfounded by the amount of movies he had contributed to that I, that I love. And I didn't realize he was associated mm-hmm. with them in some way. Um, if you're into the big Lebowski, the character John Goodman plays is indeed based on John Milius. He, he directed the film Conan, the barbarian with Arnold help make Arnold a movie star. He's one of the great raconteurs of all time. Watch that documentary Milius. Check out our show. I, I, I really like that show. It's hard to do Milius justice. It really oh, yeah. is. He, wrote apocalypse now he wrote one of the great epics homerian homerian epics of our time you know and uh they they had this scene and spielberg called milius and milius basically read i think eight pages yeah they were just he was dictating over the phone Mm -hmm. about the indianapolis and this guy is way up on all of this especially military history and they gave it to Robert Shaw and Robert Shaw said, well, I can't do all of this. And he edited it down. I think Gottlieb, you know, they all kind of looked edited it, but I think the final edit was, was Shaw. So you have Milius giving the Colonel the idea and then Robert Shaw kind of, kind of watering it mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, it blooms. Making what it was. Yeah. And apparently Robert Shaw had a, had a wicked, wicked relationship with alcohol. He was an alcoholic and they said he was an absolute teddy bear when he wasn't drinking but you get one drink and even it's it's you know i saw he died pretty uh, yeah it wasn't too long after the movie he was 51 when he died yeah way too soon way too soon and so the night the first night that they did it and they have all the guys and what a great scene that is just all the guys they're comparing scars and Mm -hmm. of course brody doesn't have a scar to to, yeah he has an appendix scar you know (laughs) and then you get the story of the Indianapolis. Well, Shaw did it one night and he was drunk. He wanted to play it drunk. Well, it didn't work out that well. And he begged Spielberg for another go and they gave it. He did it sober. And that is that is one of the most chilling moments in film. In film, I know. I was Just say. a guy telling a story. And mm-hmm. the way that he tells this story, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. It really is chilling. You know, it absolutely. It's a, it's a master. That was a master actor right there Mm -hmm. delivering the speech of a lifetime, Mm -hmm. you know, and you got to give a lot of credit to Dreyfus because Dreyfus is in the the background of that scene. And that look is so real. And and I was wondering watching it, like how much of that was was a lot of it, I think is real, which, Uh which contributes to it. And I don't know if Dreyfus is in awe of the act, you know, like, 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 wow. wow. Yeah. Or, or if it's like, wow, like at that story. The same thing. <laughs> and they've made a movie about the USS Indianapolis with uh, Nicolas Cage uh, plays, I believe the captain in that movie It's called the USS Indianapolis men of courage. And we may 
need to check that out. I, I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen it either. But uh, that's that's a story. And Quint is is a lot like Ahab and Moby Dick. And, and he is, he's chasing, you know, just like Ahab was chasing that whale. Mm-hmm. Just like Khan Nooney and Singh was chasing James Tiberius Kirk in Star Trek Two, He is chasing that shark. And he's chasing all the sharks. Yep. You know, and that's horrific. I mean, how many how many men did they say those things he ate? Oh, I you don't know, remember. It was a big number. It was a big number. It was, I mean, unbelievable. A big number. Was it? Was it 700 or something? I thought, was it in the thousands or something? So I, I can't remember yeah. right off the top of my head. It was a big number, though. It's amazing that in this movie that has so many iconic moments, that that's the one to me that is like the scariest. The scar- yeah. The scariest. The Considering the moment that chilling. comes up like right after it, you know, when you finally get the shark out of the water, uh-huh. which is... <laughs> which still gets me you know i know it's coming i'm like oh wow and that thing i forget how big that thing is what 25 feet amazing and it just is absolutely huge and speaking of the shark when it's in the tide pool earlier in the movie and you see the two fins and and it's just absolutely amazing it's it's so well done i mean yeah it's a slasher movie it really is it's a slasher movie um one quick kind of interesting thought here, especially because we're living in 2021 at the time of this recording, who knows if there will be a 2022. We don't, (laughs) we don't know that survey's still out. Jury's still out. Um, Last year was very interesting for a lot of people. And I'm not going to make light of that. And I'm not going to read conspiracy into that tonight. Not, I mean, not tonight. Not tonight. I've done it. I've done it already. But uh, one of the things is we were shut down. And whether or not you agreed with the shutdowns is not, not the issue here. The issue is it was the people in charge, the government people in charge in some places were the ones necessitating a shutdown of businesses mm-hmm. and things like this. How odd... You go back and watch this movie, and it's the government officials who are necessitating that things be open. Right. (laughs) Open. And you've got this one guy going, they need to be closed, you know. That was something. That was hitting me when I was watching this movie. That was not lost on me. Mm -hmm. We would be remiss if we did not talk about the other two uh, kind of main cast members here. Lorraine Gary plays Ellen. I think she's excellent Mm -hmm. in this. She is. She's really great in this. But Murray Hamilton, I love Murray Hamilton. He, any of your favorite TV shows, he popped up. He was, yep. he was in the uh, the Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And this guy just had that 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 thing, that voice. He's so good as Mayor Larry Vaughn. What else was he in? We did a movie with him in it. We did. Or we was did. it a television show? I swore it was a movie. Okay, we'll check. We'll check that. Because when I was looking him up, I was like, "Oh yeah, he was in that movie. We did that movie." Yeah, and I can't remember. what We'll it check was. that on the break. But he, I think he was in something that we did, mm-hmm. and we made the comment that, "Oh, this guy, you know, like you know who he is, but you're not really sure who, yeah, <laughs> what his name yeah. is." But he's always such a pleasure to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we uh, take a break, uh, I want to ask you this: uh, It's okay to say all of them, <laughs> but. Uh, it, it, and it can be more than one, but, um, and I know this is a difficult question. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? 
it's it, and I know that I know that's a silly question because it's there's tough. so much of this that is so good. I mean, if I had to pick two off the top of my head, the monologue scene, of course, is is just. Let's give that one. We'll say that's we'll a say, that's a we'll, given. But uh, when they are the three of them are, uh, in the boat, and they realize that it's starting to sink, and yeah, like that's that's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, you've got this killer shark. I was getting, I was getting, um, practically eating your boat. <laughs> it, it, well, it is eating your boat. I was getting, uh, vibes. Uh, of course this movie came out way before, but, uh, Titanic. And that was the thing that's always scared me about Titanic is when Cameron finally pulls back when the lights go off on the ship and mm-hmm. pulls back and shows you just how utterly alone those people are out in the middle of nowhere. That's what's and, ter- so and, terrifying and, about it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great moment. Um, my absolute favorite moment in this movie is Brody and his son. I think that just really kind of, it, it's a great soft moment in a movie that's not very soft. Yeah. You know, um, Dreyfus with the remains of the girl, I think is a, is a great moment. You know, there there really are. I know that, like I said, it's kind of a silly one and it's okay to go, no, all of it, but, (laughs) um, yeah, just a, just a, just a great movie. This thing is almost 50 years old. I know. It's almost 50 years old. And, it's hard to believe. And I, I was watching this and it was, it, it really still just stands up. It's so iconic from the, from the opening with, and even the look of her running along that picket fence in the mm-hmm. opening shot and her going out and getting in the water and, and Spielberg's use of, of legs. Legs are such an important, the, the vulnerability of the human body in right. this is just absolutely terrifying because like you said, you can be a great swimmer. You're not going to outswim You're this not thing. Gonna outswim Bruce. This is a perfect <laughs> killing machine. As Hooper says, this thing's, uh, uh, main thrust in life is to swim, eat, and make more baby sharks. <laughs> and I mean, what a, what a, just a. It's just so good. Yeah. Final question. I'm putting you on the spot here. We talked about the slasher tropes mm-hmm. and you can read things into the killer. Do you, do you, do you see anything in, in Jaws? Uh, Not off the top of my head, honestly. Anything? I, I mean, I watch this movie. I feel like kind of straightforward, me personally. That And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I would say, you know, I, I will buy I will buy the will, fact that back in the day I'll they were that. maybe maybe making a comment on authority. I think I'll I think they that. were making a monster movie, truthfully, is what they were making. But um, I, I, I see it really, like I said, I just want to go back to this, representing just the wrathful side of nature that you, you, you uh, have to I'll, respect I'll it. You, you have to respect really the power of nature. And we are very insignificant in the whole scheme of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very, very tiny. We're mm-hmm. a tiny part of this this really ecosystem are. Earth, know. you know, on the spaceship Earth. Mm-hmm. And um, so good. This is, it's just so good. And uh, listen, we, we, we're not going to sit here and tell you that this is like the definitive take on Jaws. Uh, That was never our intent with any of the movies that we do here. There's a lot out there on the production of this. There, there's a lot out there, you know, on the technical stuff. That's, that's never really been our thing. We'll talk about it when it's just like the shower scene in Psycho. You have to talk about that. And uh, what, so what you need to know here, what you need to take away from Jaws is, is A, I'm not being funny, it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. This, this is a really good movie. Uh, it was made under really terrible circumstances, and the fact that we have the movie that we have, it being made under those circumstances, mm-hmm. is kind of a, a minor miracle. And this is legitimately one of the most influential films of all time. It is culturally, historically, and aesthetically, aesthetically. Significant, significant, as as the Library of Congress said. And 
Uh, it's been often parodied. It's been imitated. Spielberg even parodied the opening with the same actress in 1941, a few years later. So, um, you know, if you haven't seen this in a while, I really, really recommend you watching this and, and just really kind of reveling in it because this is, this is a great <laughs> horror film. I know. This is a great, and, and it's the best kind of horror film because it's about something and has characters that you care about and they're not just chum. You know, going exactly. into the sea, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't matter as much, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't think it would. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff, huh? Yeah, good stuff. I did. Oh, I did find what, what was movie? Murray he was, Hamilton. He was Father Ryan in the Amityville Horror from nineteen seventy. Yes, he was. He was that's, in that movie. That's what he was in. Yep. Funny Amity and Amityville Horror. Right? So the mayor of Amity was in the Amityville, Amityville Horror. Horror. <laughs> that makes sense, right? I think that's a good one to take a break on. (laughs) We're going to take a very short break. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. (laughs) I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. students of Amity Island have recently been karate chopping fence posts, and they have also taken to kicking men in the balls. Chief Martin Brody is advising all men to avoid the little bastards until he can take care of the problem. Our sources tell us Chief Brody is on a fishing trip. Revelers at Cozy Corner Beach thought they caught a glimpse of a Sasquatch on Saturday afternoon. It turns out it was just local resident Wayne Wiggins walking around without a shirt on. Wayne is really hairy. So please, if you see something that you think might be a Sasquatch, don't shoot. There's a 65% chance it's Wayne. In weather, it's currently really effing hot, with a 100% chance of being hot as balls by the afternoon. There's a storm front moving in that will bring lots of rain, but no relief from the heat. So expect it to be hot and pissy for the next few days. Thank you to the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff for that weather forecast. Finally, Faith, what do you call a fake noodle? I don't know. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. That's news. It was a slow week. Be sure to stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. We'll see you on the other side. Seriously? Impasta? It was a slow week and I got kicked in the balls on Emmy Island, so... Just Understood. Leave me alone. We'll, All right. be, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. I think that music just jacked me up a little more than the coffee. <laughs> it might have. I think it did. Pretty, I think it did. Pretty good music. So we are celebrating uh, summer. We are celebrating summer slasher movies. We do believe that Jaws is indeed a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. I think we proved our point. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we did, uh, we are picking these movies. We have uh, three more movies to go. What we did was when we picked Jaws, we're making guesses as to the death tally <laughs> in the movie. Now, Faith had seven. Mm-hmm. Faith said there were seven deaths in Jaws. I said five. Faith is indeed the winner because we have eight deaths. It's like the price is right. It is like the price is right. It's like the price is right of murder. Do I get a prize? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see who comes out on top at the end, maybe. All right. So we had eight deaths in the movie. We had Chrissy. What a what a waste of a blonde. (laughs) We had little Alex Kittner. Funny story about Alice Kittner, uh, the woman who played his mother. And let me let me say this. I, I had a moment watching this movie where I turned into our good friend Bobby D'Amato, where Mrs. Kittner comes up and talks to Chief Brody, and she's dressed in black, looking all pale and tragic, <laughs> like Mrs. White and Clue. And, and she says, you know, Chief Brody, and she slaps him, and rightfully so, for not closing the beach. He, he, he didn't stick to his principles, and he deserved that slap. Mm-hmm. I think he did. And she slaps him and she's crying and she says, you know, I understand you could have closed the beaches because another uh, another girl had died, you know, a week, a week before. My son is dead. I just want you to know that my son is dead. And I swear my inner Bobby came out as I'm watching the movie because I'm going, yeah, no shit. We all saw him get eaten on the beach, you know. <laughs> there was pieces of him everywhere, lady. <laughs> I mean, listen, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um. Now, Pippet the dog bit it. Pippet bit it. I'm glad we didn't see that because I, 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 I yeah, what a beautiful dog Pippet was. Uh, the tiger shark, the tiger shark that came up from the Gulf. Ben Gardner, another great scene when they discovered Ben Gardner's corpse on his boat. Uh, the victim in the estuary, the tide pool. That's pretty vicious. Uh, Quint, unfortunately, mm. and then Bruce Jaws himself bites it. So the death count was eight. Faith, you are victorious in the first week of Summer Slasher Death Watch. (laughs) Death Watch. Summer Slasher Death Watch. I like it. All right. So uh, our our final scores, we're handing out chum buckets. I will go first. This is a first here. I'm giving five out of four. Chum buckets because man, I didn't know we could. I don't know I, we could do that. Well, we can now. Well, I'm gonna do it too. All right, so it got five out of four for me. Too. So it got ten out of eight. <laughs> I think that's Common Core math. It's like an A plus plus. I think it's Common Core. Is that yeah, Common Core it's, math? It, fe- it sounds like it, it feels like it. I think it is. Uh, this, it, uh, you can't you can't overstate how how just absolutely amazing. <laughs> That this film, I know. that this film is, and uh, uh, please watch this again. This it's it's such a good, just just thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a mystery and a thriller and a horror movie all rolled into one with a great villain. You know, yeah. and and a um, villain that's so different. You know, I it, mean, you it, have so many villains that have legs and are, you know yeah. are stalking people in that way. Like you know, and one of the things one of the things I like about this this villain is he's not technically malicious 
he's doing what he does. He's a shark. Yeah. He's a shark. He's a shark. Yeah. 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 He has no choice in the matter. <laughs> he he has no choice. Uh, final question: Do you are you a Shark Week fan? Is that I have been? Is that what you think? Yeah. I feel like I'm turning into Letterman again, like I did last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You fan of the Shark Week, uh, fan? Fan <laughs> yeah, of Shark Week? Yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like sharks too. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a few years. It's been it's been a few years for me too. It's coming I feel up. Like, I feel like the shows haven't been as good as they were. I feel like they've just been like, okay. I like I like to be all in the water. With How the much can we really say about the shark that hasn't been said already? I just want to see them, like really. Okay. I mean, I, I They're love, scary. They are dead-eyed just, animals. They, I they just love things they, living in the water. They terrify They're me. So mysterious. I'm though. on I'm on Team Orca, man. <laughs> team Orca. I'm on Team Orca. The only predator of the shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're they're beautiful. They're beautiful animals. The the sharks. They're beautiful animals. They're just absolutely terrifying. They are absolutely terrifying. My sister has a fear that one is going to fall from the sky mysteriously, and like end up in the roof hanging over her bed. Because you know that's what happens every day. She needs to quit sniffing glue. I've told her that. (laughs) Or we just need to get her better. Better glue. Better glue. Yeah. Better glue. Uh, quick, quick story. So Steven Spielberg is famously uh, friends with George Lucas and George Lucas and John Milius. And Steven went uh, to the effects house where they were prepping Bruce the shark and he was hanging from the ceiling and George Lucas wanted to look inside, you know, mm-hmm. the, the mouth. Like one would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would want to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can hear it now. Oh, Stephen, can I, uh, can I, can I get up there and look, look, in, look in the mouth? And uh, so he got up there, and they thought they played a joke on him, and so they they closed the jaws of Jaws on George Lucas, <laughs> and it wouldn't open back up. And George Lucas was apparently stuck in the mouth of Jaws for like three hours. It's yeah, so I mean, could you hear him like, oh, jeez, oh, should have no. bought his chicken and a biscuit. So I'm wondering. If that was where the idea for the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi came from. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm in a mouth. It's dark. Oh, no. Very possible. I'm in the dark side. <laughs> oh. So, fantastic movie. Five out of four chum buckets. Ten out of eight. Ten out of eight Ten chum out buckets. Of eight. All right. I am pretty sure that none of the other fair we have picked... <laughs> For this month, I'm going to score 10 out of Probably 8. Not. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can remember what we have. We have Friday the 13th, part 2. Correct. Uh, celebrating its 40th anniversary this mm-hmm. year. It's crazy. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Cheerleader Camp, a.k.a. Bloody Pom Poms. Yes. Give me a K. Give me an I. Give me an L. Give me an L. What What's that spell? that spell? Kill. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Faith, have you have you picked? I am holding our next movie. Have you have you opened hand. it? Do you know I, ha- what it is? I haven't opened it. Who who gets the honor here? I want to do it. Go ahead. Let me do it this week. Go ahead. You can do it next week. Thank you. Bobby did it last week. Bobby did it last week. It's what we got? Our, our we next got? movie is Friday the Thirteenth Part Two from 1981, directed by Steve Miner. Featuring, uh, starring, excuse me, Adrian King, Amy Steele, and John Fury. All right. So this is... I haven't seen this one in a while. It's been a while <laughs> for me, too. Uh, historically, 
this is the one where Jason is finally the killer. This mm-hmm. is the first one where he's the killer. I'm still confused about that. <laughs> after I mean, really, I'm confused. I thought he died. No, anyway. What you did? <laughs> um, we're going to watch the movie. Maybe we will get some answers on that. Possibly. Maybe. Probably not. But I don't. I don't. I don't think so either. And this is the one where he has the bag on his head. Right. Yeah. Because right. he does not wear the mask until three. I know. A hockey mask. Okay. He's, I think, he, it really is a very interesting franchise when you think about it, yeah. how this starts. And, like, I mean, really. Still not as confusing as the Halloween franchise, though. Still not as confusing when you get past. It, well, Friday the, the 13th, the 15th, is not, it's not necessarily confusing. I mean, it's confusing, but I feel like it's very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of, um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. I'm looking at you blankly right you now. Look at me blankly you I don't, know the, I don't know the word you're looking for. <laughs> I just feel like it's very it evolves, maybe. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, it does. It's, it does. Yeah. It goes from like a simple uh slasher yeah. uh slasher. Well, it goes from a Halloween ripoff to because uh, the first movie really is a Halloween <laughs> ripoff. And we both really like that first movie. I think that first movie was really a good time and wonderful. Um, and then it goes into kind of, uh, I don't want to say brainless, uh, but it's, you don't have to think much about it. Um, well that, but like with Michael Myers, besides Halloween three, you're always with Michael. You know what I mean? Like, right. But with, with this, you're with, you know, you're with Mrs. Voorhees and yeah. he's looking and, different and the second one and he's kind of different in the third and one. And then he dies and he comes back as a supernatural being. Right. And that movie, uh, Friday the 13th part six, Jason lives. <laughs> Jason, it's got to have the exclamation mark. You know, that, that needs to be like a, uh, maybe, I mean, I don't like musicals, but it, that, it needs oh, yes. to be like a Broadway play. Oh, yes, it does. I mean, it, it does. really, it needs They need to, to do, you know, because they did Phantom, you know, yeah. and, and that, what well, it is what it is. Maybe we'll go to like the, if there's like a local theater or something. We they, they need they, a slasher, a slasher musical we'll, uh, would be really wonderful. Yeah, we'll do it? Friday the 13th. Uh, a, a slasher, <laughs> a slasher musical that's not Sweeney Todd. There you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting. Okay, so we gotta uh, we gotta put down our our numbers here. So Faith, um, I how, want you to go first. How many people do you think are gonna die? Mm. So now it's up to me. Yeah, it's up to you. Uh, I'm gonna go lucky thirteen. Okay. I'm gonna go lucky thirteen. Um, I'll go ten. Ten. Let's go ten. Okay. Let's go ten. Watch it, watch it be way more. Or watch it be like four people. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not just I don't four think it people. Is four, but. You know what's amazing about this? And we'll talk more about this next week when we when we do this movie. Um, I actually, I think it was last summer, they were like all on demand. And I, I didn't watch the first one because like, I feel like we had like just, just did, done yeah. it. And it was, a, it was a summer day. I think maybe it was, it was even a holiday. And... I started watching these movies at like noon and with the intention, I said, I'm going to rot my brain with horror movies today. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. It was, it was a wonderful day. I'm going to make a protein smoothie and watch, <laughs> watch horror movies, watch Friday the 13th. And, um, they all just started running together. It was like, it was like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> Kill them. Get them. Just get them. Just, just kill them. That's, yeah. that's the thing with those movies compared to Jaws. It's like, 
you don't care who's going we, after. We, 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 before we end this, before we close up shot, we have to talk about the fact that Jaws spawned some of the worst sequels ever, according to many people. Actually, Jaws spawned possibly one of the worst movies ever made in Jaws the Revenge, the fourth part of this, which actually stars Mike O'Kane, um, who famously was on location in the Bahamas or wherever filming the movie mm-hmm. and didn't get to go accept his Oscar that he won for Hannah and her sisters. I was down there making a movie. I bet you didn't know that. (laughs) And he famously said, while I do not enjoy the movie or the making of the movie, I quite enjoy the house that it bought me. So, you know, that's a guy with his perspectives in place. Apparently the shark in that one uh, was after Mrs. Brody because Mr. Brody killed the first shark. I don't know. (laughs) We might need to. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I like the third one. We'll say I, I, I actually I like the third I one too. The third one. Yeah, Dennis Quaid, Louis Gossett, uh, Leah Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Lorraine McFly is in that. I forget who the uh, Bess Armstrong is in that too. She's a really good actress. I, just like, I like the I like the setup of it. Like yeah, the Sea World on that. Yeah, That's it's good. Cool. It is a good setup. So uh, might need to do that. Might need might need to do a part three, like somewhere on the show because yeah. we got Friday the Thirteenth here. We do like <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, Jaws Three, something else. <laughs> I don't know. Psycho. Psycho three. I bet there's not three cheerleader killer movies. There might be. There might be. I'm not know. sure. All right. So there you go. Friday the thirteenth, part two from nineteen eighty one. That is up next. I have thirteen kills and Faith has ten. We shall see who I'll be like is. fifty. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. As always, we want to thank each and every one of you for letting us drone on for about an hour or so in your ears. It's a pleasure and a privilege to do this show. Thank you all for tuning in. Be you a spook, specter, or astral bean from Dimension X tuning in or here right. in the studio or with us. Killer shark. Or a great white murder and bloodlust and murder and some bitch shark. There you go. Uh, wherever you are in the world, thank you. We hope that you're happy, healthy, safe, and sane. And Faith, what do we hope they're doing? Taking their vitamins. Taking their vitamins. There you go. Remember, the powers that be want to keep us divided on all levels. Don't let them do that. Be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. Thank you for listening to the show. And I want to share one quick little uh, thought before we go. There was a movie, funny enough, uh, Verna Fields, the editor of Jaws. She won an Oscar uh, for editing this movie. She was the editor on a movie I watched recently called uh, How to Make a Monster which was an American internationals uh, release. They showed on Singuli and uh, in it, a makeup artist gets fired from his job because new management comes in the studio. They don't want to make monster movies anymore. And he says, monster movies are very important. Horror movies help us deal with our fear in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And I think they are important. I think so too. Because the majority of people who watch these movies, they don't go out and do crazy stuff. Yeah. No, No, this is helping you deal with your fear in a healthy way. If you deal with your fear in a healthy way, guess what? You're going to live a better life. Fear does awful things to our bodies. Fear will make you sick, literally. Yes, it will. Literally. So we're all glad that you're here. Stay happy, healthy, safe and sane. Take your vitamins and don't live in fear. Mm -mm. Be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. If you want to get in touch with us, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Friday the 13th, part two. Do your homework. Going to be a real winner in it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I can't wait I to see. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how this one goes. <laughs> uh, we're going to love it. You know, we're going to love it. Either way, we're going to have a good time. Faith, it feels like it's that time, doesn't it? It does. Does it feel like it's time? It does. All we should. right. Take us on, Faith, on three. One, two, three. There it is. It's time to say goodbye. It's time to 
swim off into the sunset. <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> Stay away from me, Jaws. That's right, hippies. It's Jaws. Oh, God. Jaws is here. She sexed and she drugged, or whatever you said earlier. I don't know what you said. That's what I said. That's what you That's said. exactly what I said. I stand by. Stand by what I said. <laughs> it, was, it was a thorough analysis of that. <laughs> uh, don't sex and drug people when you're at the beach this summer because Jaws might eat you. He might eat you. Thank you all for tuning in. Friday the 13th, part two is next. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. Stay out of the water. <laughs> See you on the other side.